We were in church, and after the welcome, I just whispered to him, I said, when we get home, could you shave half my head, please, like that? And he kind of looked at me like, what? I don't, I don't want to do this. Because he's not a barber, he only shaves his beard, and he's never touched black hair before, and I thought, you know what? You draw on paper, you know, he's really good at drawing on paper. I thought, you're, you're, you're the man for the job, don't worry, we'll work it out. And he, he was really apprehensive, and he took forever to just separate my hair to see which bits needs to be shaved and which bit needs to be saved. And every minute he kept on saying, do you, do you sure you want me to do this? And I don't know about you, but you've been in a position where you just want something to happen. You're so desiring something to happen that you just want to get to the point where you regret it. Yeah, I mean, that sounds a bit like sin, doesn't it? But I was just like, just do it so I can regret it already, you know? But anyway, he shaved, and I just remember when he got this season, I went, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, I don't know if I'm ready, but he just started to just plow through, and he just kept going and going and going. And I really love it, and he's available, he's out at the back, he's available if you want to get your hair shaved. <laughs> see him, yeah, he's the man for you. But anyway... Um, it's funny, because I'm telling you about my hair, but I have not even told my mum. So my mum and dad are in Florida at the moment, and they just keep trying to FaceTime me, and I just put it on audio. I just don't want my mum to see my hair, because she's going to be like, what have you done? So every time she calls, I keep, like, giving the kids so that she sees the kids. She doesn't see me, or I, or I, or I let her see half my face like that, but I don't show her that bit. But I know she's going to have something to say when she sees it. She's going to be like, what have you done? But anyway, today, this is the second week of the series, From Me to You. And so during the summer, you're going to have speakers sharing what's on their heart and giving that to you. And my talk today has been something that's been on my heart for years, for so many years, but I just never had the right words. I could feel it, but I just didn't have the words to articulate it until recently. So I've been a Christian for 26 years. And by the way, I'm going to be talking about the kingdom of God. And for, I've been a Christian for 26 years, and I'll be honest with you, I never really thought, the bulk of my journey with God, I never really thought about the kingdom. Never really thought about it. Only like when I would read, when, um, when Jesus would say, the kingdom of heaven is like this. But I never really thought about the kingdom until my friend Emma Blustin, who knows Emma Blustin, is she here? Yeah? She, she started working at the vineyard, and she would go on about, we're doing kingdom stuff, we're doing kingdom. We're doing this for the kingdom. She'd go on and on about the kingdom, and it just started to prick my ears a bit. And then I reread the Sermon on the Mount. And for those of you who do not know the Sermon on the Mount, it's Jesus giving a Sermon on the Mount. That's a great description, isn't it? No, okay. So the Sermon on the Mount is a banner, a banner for the moral principles of the kingdom of God. And I'm just going to read some bits from that Sermon of the Mount because it's, it's quite interesting. Okay, so it's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 6, verse 4. Okay, so I'm going to start, verse 38. Eye for an eye, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Wow. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. 
Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Okay, there's more. Love, your, love for enemies. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of the Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Giving to the needy. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So there's quite a lot there. And when I read that, it just ruffled my feathers a bit. It took my neck out of joint when I read it. And... Um, it's just so counterculture to this society because it just seems like there's so much giving. It seems so selfless. And we're in a society where we have to, we, you know, we're focused on ourselves. And two weeks ago, Mark was talking about the kingdom of God. And he was saying how it's like the upside down world. But the truth is, we're on the upside down world. This is the upside down. And the kingdom of God is actually the way we should be. And so my title today is let it go that's the title and i'm just going to pray heavenly father lord i just ask you to please help us to let things go let it go and there are things in our heart that we're holding on to and i just ask you to let it go and lord i just ask you to please speak to us and show us reveal to us what you want us to know thank you so much in jesus name amen Okay, so I'm going to go back to basics. I'm going to look at what exactly is a kingdom. What is a kingdom? Kingdom is the domain ruled by a king or queen. And the kingdom of God, also called the kingdom of heaven in the book of Matthew, is the spiritual realm over which God reigns as king. Now, in the Old Testament, the Jewish people believed that there was going to be a physical kingdom of God, and they waited. They thought they, that God was going to manifest himself in, in, a, in, a, in a king from Israel, from probably the line of David, and they waited. And in the New Testament, Jesus, who is the king, he came and he established the kingdom of God on earth. As Mark said last week, he was talking again about the kingdom of God, and he didn't even know I was going to be talking about it, but he was talking about Neil Armstrong going on the moon, and he just put, you know, the US flag on the moon, and it's a bit like that with Jesus. He came and he established the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven on earth, and the Jewish people, they just didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize that he was the king. They were expecting this, this king to, you know, just overthrow the Roman Empire, and so they didn't recognize him. 
And the kingdom of God is a spiritual, it's spiritual, it's, it's not physical. There is nowhere on earth right now where the kingdom of God is. All the kingdoms belong to Satan. We live in a fallen world and, and all the kingdoms belong to him. And in Matthew 4, verse 8 to 9, we learn that Satan takes Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness, when he was, you know, he was with, Satan was with him and he took him to a high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms and he said, look, you can have all of them if you bow down and worship me. And obviously God didn't do that. Jesus didn't do that. But all the kingdoms on earth belong to Satan. There is not a physical kingdom yet. The kingdom is spiritual. And in Luke 17, verse 20 to 21, Jesus tells the Pharisees once on being asked by the Pharisees, so I'm just reading out the verse, when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be um, observed, nor will people say, there, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. In other translations, it says the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you, and you have that kingdom when you accept Jesus Christ as your savior, when you accept him as your king, so then he rules your heart, and that's where the kingdom of God is within you. So God's kingdom to the world just seems insignificant. It seems unattractive. It's hidden. It's undesirable. Yesterday, my husband went to Tesco's, and he told me that there were some guys who were at the tills just telling people that Jesus loves them, and they just didn't want to know. They were like, yeah, all right, whatever, whatever, you know? And they were like saying, look, I want to tell you what God's done for me. I want to tell you what he's done, and they just wasn't interested. And, you know, you may have friends who are not Christians, and they know you're a Christian, but they don't care. You may even pray for them. You know that you've got access to the king and that something can be changed and they just don't care. They might have a bad foot and you say, let me pray for you. And they're like, okay, all right then. But you know, they don't really believe anything's gonna happen. They don't realize the power. There is power in the kingdom. There is so much power. And just like here right now, the kingdom is right here. As we are worshiping God, we are doing kingdom. When you've got people who are on the ministry, ministry team and they're praying for people and they're asking the kin, king to take authority over the situation, they're doing kingdom. You've got other people serving. You've got people serving with the children's ministry. You've got people are making sure that there is hot waters for, for you to have a tea or a coffee. That is all kingdom. I've said to you in a, in a preach before that I was in a bit of a bad place and my husband was helping out on Alpha. And I didn't actually listen to the talks, I didn't help. I just sat down, I would come in the evening and I would just eat the food, that's all I did. I just ate the food. But do you know what? The kingdom was just breaking into my heart, just coming in. And it was just, I was feeling God's love just by eating the food that somebody gave their evening up to cook food for Alpha. And I would just come and eat that. And God's love was just coming into my heart. The kingdom is so powerful. I know some of you might have loved ones who don't actually come in into the, um, the auditorium, they stay outside. 
They stay out in the atrium, and you might be worried about them, but you know what? They're experiencing the kingdom. They're experiencing the kingdom by just sitting there, having a drink, having a donut, experiencing someone, giving them a smile. So don't worry, because God is doing something. They are in. They're experiencing the kingdom. The kingdom is also so potent. A little bit goes so far. In Matthew 13, 31 to 33, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like mustard seed. A mustard seed is so tiny, yet if you were to plant it in the ground, it would just make a massive tree that would benefit so many people. He also says that the kingdom of God is like yeast. You put it in flour and it would just make so much bread. It will make so much dough. It would just increase in size and keep going and going. I've got some dough that I made two days ago in my fridge, and every time I look at it, it's just getting bigger and bigger. And that's what the kingdom of God is like. So how do we access this kingdom? How do we get into this kingdom? Well, I've got a volunteer. I've got Heather. Heather, could you come up? In fact, don't come up. Stay there. So how you access the, the kingdom is that you accept Jesus Christ as your saviour. So he, he died on the cross, he paid the price for your sin, and you ask him to come in, and so if you stand up, Heather, okay, so I'm, I'm gonna pretend I'm Jesus, and Heather is, is you and I, and so I come into your heart. <laughs> so I come into, <laughs> I'm in your heart, yeah, so you've, you've asked me to come in, yeah, and you've asked me to, to rule, yeah, so I am now, in you and you are in me. And so I'm going to allow you to come into the kingdom because Heather and you, you are co-heirs with Christ. Also, you have Jesus' righteousness that clothes you. It's not anything that you've done that has earned the right to be in the kingdom. It's because of me. So you, as Heather, has died and I live in you. So you are a new person. And now you have the kingdom. So, and you're in me and I'm in you. And also, I'm the king and you also have a crown as well. So that's how we access the kingdom. Thank you so much, love. Okay. That is how, yeah, give her a clap, bless her. So that is how we get into the kingdom. And so once we're in the kingdom, what do we get out of it? In fact, what we can ask is, what do we get from the king? Well, the king is our heavenly father. We are sons and daughters to the king. And so he's the king and he's royal, which makes us royal, makes us so special. We are born into royalty. There is nothing. We can't help it. We are born into royalty and we are so precious. You look at the little new royal baby, what's his name? Archie, Archie Harrison, Mountbatten, Windsor, what a mouthful. But you look at one side of his family, so, you know, it's estranged by his mother, you know. But yet, at the same time, he's a member of the royal family because he's been born into it because his dad is a prince. He can't help it, he's royal. He's royal, and it's the same with us. We've been born into to the royalty, heavenly royalty, that we, we are sons and daughters of the king. And because you are royal, you are so precious, you are so valuable. You are so special because of your connection to the king. And there is absolutely nothing on earth that will determine your value. It's because of who you are in Christ. 
And most of the time, we can look at things in the world and try and, you know, get value from things in the world. But there is nothing good or bad that will determine our value. So your jobs, the amount of money you have, the way your house looks, who you hang out with, or your positioning—that has nothing to do with your value. But at the same time, if you've done something that is so bad, that doesn't also that doesn't determine your value because your value is in Christ. You are precious. You are royal. That will never change. Things in this world will change. You could have a really good position. You could be so talented, and all it takes is someone else to come along, and that will change. Things in this world change, but God never changes. You are so valuable. Your identity is in Christ. Your identity is in Christ. And when you don't know your identity, when, that, when you feel insecure about who you are and your value, it will make you do all sorts of crazy things. It could just make you feel you can't move forward. It might make you feel that you need to isolate yourself from people and that you you disqualify yourself. About a week ago, God gave me a picture. He showed me that I need to be a warrior for. When it comes to the patterns of this world, I need to be a warrior. And he showed me that I've got a sword. And he said, "You know what? You need to take your sword from here, and you need to hold it up high." And for those of you, you know that the the、um, the armor of God, the sword, is God's truth. It's it's the word of God. That is what the sword is. And he said, "You need to hold your sword." And also, he said to me that when you put your 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 sword up here, your chest is exposed. And you need to wear the breastplate of righteousness, and it's not my righteousness; it's His righteousness. That is what covers me. And so, even on my birthday, I was walking down the road, and I could just hear the accused. I could hear the enemy just saying negative stuff to me. Oh, look what you've done here, and look what's going on here, and this is what you've done. And I just—it was just going on and on for about half an hour, and I started to feel quite rubbish about myself. And I just thought, you know what? You need to take your sword. You need to take the truth, who you are in God, who you are in Christ, and wear Christ's righteousness, wear His righteousness. And I just started to apply that. And then, you know, I just, you know, Satan just just fled. I just didn't hear any negativity anymore. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to apply God's truth about who we are. We have to do that. And some of you may have to do that on a regular basis if you're hearing. Oh look! Look what you've done. This is this. This is that. You know all these negative things. Last week, my son, when he was at school, he came out of school and he had his head down low, and I said to him, "What's wrong?" And he goes, "I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't know anyone else has kids where they just bring drama and then they go, 'I don't want to talk about it.'" And you're like, "Oh, what's happened?" And so I saw his teacher, and I thought, right, let me just talk to her while she's there. And I said, "What's going on?" Because Brody is saying to me right now, he doesn't want to be here. He wants to leave this school and go to his old school. And she said, "What?" And she went and found him, and she went to get him. And then we finally got it out of him that a girl on his table has been saying mean things to him, was saying all these negative things about him in front of the whole table, in front of all the other children, and nobody came to his defence. And so, because of that, he felt he wanted to leave. He wanted to come out. He didn't belong in the class. The irony is, is that three days before this incident, he was awarded for being 
a fantastic member of his class. And get this, he was also awarded to be the most trusted member of his class. And we stood there, the teacher and myself, just telling him, come on, what does that certificate say? You are a fantastic boy. You are the most trusted member of the team, so don't worry about what this girl is saying. And it showed me this is the same thing about us. Sometimes Satan will say stuff about you, and you just think, oh, I might as well just, just disqualify myself. I better just not um, join in. I might as well just go under. And we need to go back to the words go back and say, no, this is what God says about me. This is who I am. And you just tell him, listen, okay, yeah, I might have done that, but do you know what? I'm on a journey and I've got Christ's righteousness, not mine, not mine. So we get our value and our identity in the kingdom of God. We also get love. We also, from the king, we get love. Now, lots of you have heard so many times God loves you. God loves you. Especially if you've got verses that say, for God so loved the world. And you just think, well, I live in the world, so he loves me because I live in the world. He loves en masse. And I used to think to myself that, you know, maybe if I, if I was the only one that sinned, that Jesus wouldn't come back and die for me. I thought, well, he'd be like, oh, there's only one. Just leave her. Let her just die. You know, I thought that. But the truth is, he would. He would. And he's so interested in you. God loves you. He's interested in you. He can't take his eyes off you. He has a plan for you. He delights in you. And it's not about head experience of just knowing that God loves you. It's a heart experience as well. In Romans 5 verse 5, we are told that our hope will not be put to shame and that God will pour his love into your heart. So it's not a head experience of just knowing, oh yeah, God loves me. You can receive his love. And I will testify that I have, and I do on a regular basis, on a daily basis, I, I experience God's love. And all you do is just ask him to come into your heart and just love you and receive his love and just be still. You might feel that in an instant, or it might take some time, depending if you have got so many distractions and you tend to go to other things to get love. But when you put them down and you just ask God to come in and fill you up, fill that void, fill that void that you have, he will love you and it feels so good. It feels really, really good. So it doesn't have to be a head thing where you just know he loves you. It can be a heart experience. You can feel his love. So, as I said to you, the title of my talk is Let It Go. I just want to encourage you to let it go. Let go of the world and experience God's kingdom. Let go of trying to get all sorts of things from the world. Get your value, get your love from people or from things, and find that love in the king. Find your value in the king. I want you to let go of finding your value in what people think of you. I want you to let go of trying to impress people. Let go if people offend you. Love your enemies. And do you know what? Two days ago, I was practicing this talk. I was walking down the road and I was practicing it, yeah? And I got to this part about let go of people offending you and love your enemies. Literally, I just said that in my head. 
And this family that I know who live down the road, they've got this massive house, the husband's got this you know, big, high-powered job. They literally, and, I, and I, I've spoken to them, I know the wife, or you know, I see at the school gate, and they literally, as I said, let go of people offending you. They literally walked past me and kept their head down, yeah? And I, I, I immediately thought, oh, they don't think I'm of any value to talk to, and I started to resent them. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I'm like practicing a preach about letting go of people offending you. And then I'm like holding a grudge about these people. And the truth is, I should have said hello. I should have said hi. I should have represented Jesus and said, hi, hello. And even if they were like, hi, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because my value is not in what they think of me. I should have just represented Jesus because you know what? Jesus, he loves. Even when we don't love him, he first loved us when we couldn't care less about him. He blesses us. He blessed us before we even acknowledged him. When we were finding love in other things, he was still loving us. He was still delighting in us. He was still smiling on us. And that's what he calls us to do because we belong in the kingdom and we need to represent him we're not getting what we need from people. We're not getting what we need from things. We get from the king. And because we receive from the king and we drink from his cup, that's where we can give to others. We can give in this world. We don't have to try and receive anything from this world. And that's why you can love your enemies. That's why you can go the extra mile. Because it's not about what people think of you. You're not trying to get recognition from anything in this world. It's all about the king. So I also want to encourage you to let go if you feel overlooked. If you're looking for someone to affirm you. And you've got other people who are doing so well. And then you've got to serve them and help them so that they get higher than you. Let it go and help them even if they are recognized as so amazing and you're still, no one ever sees what you do, let it go. Let it go and know that you are getting the love and you've got a plan for your life through the king. Don't compare yourself to other people. Don't always be behind people thinking, well, this is what they're doing and I need to follow. Why am I not like them? I'm so scared because they're occupying the same space as me and if they do well, what am I gonna do? Let it go and just give. And finally, I wanna say, let it go. Let yourself go and join in the kingdom. Because some of you feel that you're not good enough and so you don't actually join in. And there's so many people having fun in the kingdom and you just stay at the fence because you don't know if you can join in. You think that maybe if you join in, people are gonna look at you and like, who are you? But it's for you as well. Let go of focusing on that other people are doing so well. Sometimes it's so easy to think, well, that person's got an amazing plan and look at me, I've got nothing. But that's not true. Let it go and know that you have got that abundance too. Join in the abundance. Join in the abundance that you see other people having. You go and join in too because it's available for you. Can I have the band, please? Join in the abundance. So I just want to spend some time in prayer. So if I could invite everyone to stand up, please. 